0: This podcast features adults using adult language, but, you know, you got to grow up sometime. Hey, everyone. You know what it's time for? Swan's Cross. (laughs) This was, like, a pretty good Monday episode.
1: One of the best Monday episodes, I have to say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even going to qualify it. A pretty good Monday episode.
1: Pretty good is as good as it gets for Swan's Crossing.
0: Yeah, I would have to agree.
1: Well, this has got to grow up sometime, a Swan's Crossing retrospective. I'm Libby Grant. I'm Nathan
0: Kessler Jeffrey. I'm
1: wearing a mask. If I sound a little weird right now, because I have to move in like a week, and I don't want to get BA five before I have to move. So if, if I sound weird, that's why.
0: And if I sound a little weird, this is just how I sound.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we watched episode fifty one, uh, as we mentioned pretty good yeah
0: yeah not not bad for a Monday not bad for a Monday the
1: pacing was on point we had some actual plot things happening Mm -hmm. Garrett was very smarmy which we always love to see
0: I loved Saja in this episode Saja was great Saja's just delightful
1: well we're gonna get into it okay let's start with your predictions from last week please You predicted we would have two more episodes with Neil in the hospital. So far, that's correct because we we were in the hospital this time. So I got one more. And they said they're going to discharge him next tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay, so we'll see if that holds out. You predicted the Baldies would try to interrogate Neil, posing as doctors to fool him. Alas, that did not happen. I
0: just, I really want more of the Baldies in the hospital.
1: (laughs) I know. Because it's
0: so (laughs) ridiculous with the Ninja Turtle band aids.
1: I know, it's just funny how, like, there's so many people who are masquerading as doctors in this hospital. And, like, all the rest of the staff is just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they were never they never got a memo that Dr. FBI guy would be coming on board or anything. They're just like, oh, I guess he's a doctor. I guess
0: you work here now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, God.
0: <laughs> who introduced him on the first day? Actually, it was probably a hospital administrator. That's probably how they probably,
1: did Probably, yeah. You predicted the FBI would search through Neil's room trying to find info on Professor Van... That didn't really happen. No. Sydney would give Mila the new poem, and Mila would love it. She would get more excited about meeting Chandler, so Sydney would try to concoct a way for Mila to see Chandler without actually meeting him, likely a Juliet's balcony scenario with someone down in the darkness below her window. I would say this is all correct.
0: This this is one of my best predictions in 50 episodes of doing this show.
1: It was almost perfectly right on.
0: Uh, you also
1: predicted no Sandy or Owen. That was correct, and that JT and Glory would be cute, but Glory wouldn't find out about the poetry situation yet. We did not get any JT and Glory cuteness.
0: No, we didn't. Yeah, we got uh, we got Glory being adorable, but that was yes. about it. Yeah.
1: Well, we open on a well, mute- got, Oh yeah, sorry. Talk about the thumbnail. Talk about the thumbnail. This
0: thumbnail is so good. <laughs> Split screen. On the left, Sydney looking fly in a white jacket, sunglasses on the top of her head, holding the brick phone up to her ear and clearly giving Glory the business on the other end. So good. (laughs) She seems to either be at Swan's Soda Shop or the Swan's Club, and I was guessing the club because there are flowers on the table and I think we're still in the hospital set over the soda shop. (laughs) On camera right, Glory is wearing a cute bright plaid top while on the phone in her bedroom, seeming put out or grossed out by whatever Sydney is saying. I love this thumbnail.
1: It is really good.
0: It's it says so much with oh, just an image. Delightful.
1: We open on a musicless pan over the table, <laughs> strewn with yellow legal pads, it's pencils. So quiet! And crumpled napkins, like you can literally hear the camera person shifting. As yeah. they, like, there's dead silence. No, like, you, you'd think they'd use some background noise of, like, pool sounds or something. Right, no, nothing.
0: right. Well, no, it's obviously closed behind <sighs> her because the... So, it's we're panning up over a table at the Swans Club. There are sharpened pencils and clearly untouched yellow legal pads in front of every seat around the table that Sydney is sitting at by herself.
1: Oh, it's so good. She despondently taps her gavel on a napkin.
0: Despondently is the word I was looking for. Thank you. <laughs>
1: You're welcome. Calling to session a meeting of nothing and no one.
0: The only other person in this scene, there is a background extra that walks by and the only other person in this scene is that pool boy extra that I love who is busy in the background like getting ready to open up the the like concession stand or something he's great
1: oh i love that guy sydney
0: grabs her phone and and dials no answer she dials again no answer slams the phone down on the table and we hear temper temper looking
1: garrett pops out of a cabana Ugh. Why is he always lurking in Camannas?
0: Well, obviously because he a horn dog. <laughs>
1: That's so gross. He's so
0: nasty. He a <laughs> nasty boy.
1: He's just constantly, like, spying on people. It Ugh. is really creepy. Sydney uh, asks what he's doing there, which is a great question. She explains to him that there was supposed to be a meeting of the concert stage committee, but obviously no one showed up.
0: He completely ignores what she's talking about and drives on to what he wants to talk about, which is, has she written the next poem for Mila? And she recommends that instead of poetry, he tries sarcasm because he's much better at that. And I have to say, that's true, Sydney. That, is, that true. is
1: true. She does mention, though, that she has one poem for him. He can have it and fuck off and read it to Mila and leave her alone.
0: That's right. Can we talk about Garrett and the way that his t-shirt is tucked <laughs> into these, like... I thought they were basketball shorts, but they're more like tracksuit pants.
1: Yeah, they're like weird loose pants that you wouldn't really tuck a shirt into.
0: Yeah, they're like almost like lounge pants. (laughs) Athletic lounge pants looking thing.
1: Garrett's wearing athleisure wear.
0: (laughs) But he's got like, he's got his shirt, his t-shirt tucked (laughs) into these pants. And I'm like, oh man, I remember doing this
1: shit. I mean, people were really into tucking shirts into pants in the early 90s. Yeah,
0: late 80s, early 90s, lots of that.
1: That was a thing back oh, then. Oh, gosh. Garrett says, all he needs is a way to prove Chandler's existence. And Sydney points out that sooner or later, he's going to have to show his face. And Mila will know it's just Garrett.
0: <laughs> and Garrett responds, tonight, it won't be my face. Ugh. It'll be my poetic nature.
1: <laughs> Sydney says he has no poetic nature. And Garrett's cool with that, because he has Sydney to fake it.
0: And he does this weird twisty pelvis thing while standing right next to her in the, like, when she's seated. It's really unfortunate.
1: Especially (laughs) following on that line of how he's not, it's not going to be his face he shows tonight.
0: (laughs) Garrett, (laughs) calm down. No, thank you.
1: We cut to outside swans, so I guess... We're done with the hospital for now? I mean, we're not, but...
0: No, no, no. The, the, the hospital set is clearly on the interior of the Swan set. <laughs>
1: Can you imagine what this workday was like for, like, the set people? Oh, my god! Oh, my God. Like, some days you get to throw uh, styrofoam at your teenage star. And other days you gotta, like, deal with both sides of this fucking
0: set in yep. one shot Absolutely. in one day. One of my favorite things about this scene, though, is that halfway through the scene, clearly backlit against against the 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 glass wall are the silhouettes of people on the inside so they're trying to make it seem like swan's cap the (laughs) swan soda shop is still occupied oh
1: my god i love that so So much callie and saja are walking around with some ridiculous drinks jazz made all decked out with festive doodads on the straws i love
0: you remember those you remember those like you could get them at Party City or whatever. The, the paper things that you, like, tur- you opened them yeah. and they created those huge, like, paper ball things. Yeah. Those yeah. things are on the straws. <laughs> like, mini versions of those paper party decorations Are on the straws. I honestly thought at first, like, someone had stuck an entire peach on this (laughs) straw. It
1: kind of looks like they're they're supposed to be, I think, little fruits, but made out of paper. But what is Jazz's budget like? I mean, how much is she charging for these drinks because she's decorating them? Like, I get it if you're having a birthday party for Mila.
0: You know that every family in Swan's Crossing has a tab at the soda shop. Because none of these kids ever pay for anything. No. So I'm assuming that the owner of the soda shop at the end of the month just runs the credit cards (laughs) of all of the, the major families. And the bills come to thousands of dollars.
1: Can you imagine? Your teenagers are spending thousands of dollars on shitty fries and drinks with weird paper doodads on
0: them. Why did this Coke cost $20? <laughs> well, you, you, you should see my Paper City budget. My Party City budget.
1: <laughs> Callie is filling Saja in on what she saw, which was Beric looking at rocks with a ju- his jeweler's eyepiece. And Saja says... Naturally, many people believe that the hidden order of life is hidden within the crystallization of rocks.
0: I love this line so much. So did I. Um, But also, does it seem like Saja's voice is deeper in this episode? Like maybe he just had a cold or something, but it does seem like his register is lower to me.
1: I didn't notice that, but I believe you. Yeah. Uh, my my note here says, "Listen, buddy. I've listened to all of Terrence McKenna's lectures too. I know all about the 64-year fractal and Time Wave Zero. Let's do this, Saja.
0: I have no idea anything that you just said. That's
1: all right. Like one of our 50 unique listeners knows <laughs> knows about it and is laughing
0: really hard right now. My my favorite part about this scene actually is that they sit very briefly on the bench, and there's a there's a mini bike in the foreground <gasps> of the camera shot that is never used. <laughs> It did not need to be there. And when Callie sits, the rear view mirror is directly in her face. Uh, like you can't see her face as she's sitting on the bench because this mini bike that does not need to be there is in front of her. I love and that. Rather than just refilming <laughs> it, they were like, no, just stand up. <laughs> <laughs> so good.
1: Callie gets impatient with Saja and points out that there's a connection between the rocks and the explosion site, and therefore, Beric is now connected to whatever happened with the explosion.
0: Absolutely. And she also mentions that her dad could analyze these rocks in seconds, (laughs) and Captain Walker Walker... Captain Captain Walker?
1: Captain... Elia Walker Walker.
0: Elia Walker Walker is... (laughs) Captain Captain Elia Walker Walker is due back any minute. So Saja proposes, going to the tool and die, picking the lock and taking the rocks so they're ready when he, when Captain Walker returns.
1: Yes, and then uh, they have a bit of an argument about how they're going to pick the locks because Saja lost the pin he uses for that. He suggests maybe he can just crush the lock with his bare fist, although he <laughs> needs a little more practice to do that.
0: And then Callie's essentially like, we could just go do it now while it's open. <laughs>
1: Keep it simple, stupid. It's so good. Okay, we're back in the hospital again, so it's still there. J T asks a nurse how Neil is doing, and he's sleeping. J T has something worth waking him up for. He's carrying an envelope in his hands from
0: prof- for Professor Van.
1: Ah, uh, yes.
0: J T goes into Neil's room, and no one is there. Oh. Ominous music plays as the nurse walks in behind him. I was like, is the nurse gonna kill J T? <laughs>
1: Some spooky doom music music takes us into the commercial break. When we come back, we get the theme song, and then we see JT berating the nurse for having let Neil vanish. Right? You lost a patient? But Neil comes into the room all chipper as hell in his bathrobe with another candy
0: bar, which is his breakfast. Dr. FBI is right behind him and asks the nurse to note in the chart that the patient had three candy bars after midnight and another two for breakfast. <laughs> what are they doing in this hospital? It's so weird.
1: Like, do they not have a, a food department? Like, they normally feed you in a hospital. Come on.
0: Generally speaking, yes. This was back when when, when a stay of any length in the hospital would not bankrupt <laughs> a person. I mean, I know that they're rich and everything, but literally, like... Yeah, yeah, seriously. This does not seem to be a big deal. Apparently, Neil also has a pizza <laughs> coming from the local pizzeria. <laughs>
1: Right, which is against hospital rules, and the nurse comments that he's being released today, and the boys yell, today, in shock.
0: <laughs> yeah, one of the other doctors ordered it, but Dr. FBI tells the nurse that it may be too soon, and then Neil literally just, like, shoes the nurse out of the room <laughs> to go check on his pizza.
1: <laughs> Dr. FBI guy leaves as well. And JT peers at their alarm system and says, "No one's near the door now, so it's safe to talk."
0: They grab the Professor Van envelope and essentially get news that the element they need for UB2B can be theirs if they make a donation to the Rodavian Fund or something like that. Yeah, it's
1: like the environmental fund.
0: I love that the way that the way that it it, it is put in the in the letter sounds like. I'm going to need you to make a donation to the Police (laughs) Benevolence Fund. (laughs) Totally does. We would be happy to help you out. A but unfortunately, down. I was wondering if you could do me a favor though. Oh
1: my god, it's so good. And once they realize all they need is money, they high five in delight because Neil's dad is filthy, stinking rich.
0: Right. We cut away from this to Sydney at the club, still bored and alone. <laughs> Behind her are now a group of other teens, apparently having a much more productive meeting.
1: That's right, there is another teen meeting in the background. Ugh. Her phone rings, it's glory apologizing for not making it to the meeting. Can,
0: can we talk for a second about how the sound effect for the phone ringing is the exact same sound effect that they use when Sydney is calling someone and the other phone is ringing? Yes, this phone only makes one noise. It's so funny! <laughs>
1: Flory said she couldn't make it to the meeting because she promised JT she'd babysit Katie and she's in a stack two shot with Katie too, which we love.
0: Yeah, a stack two shot in a split screen.
1: Oh, it's just like a
0: a matroshka doll of goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She hands the phone to Katie over Sydney's objections and Katie and her friends love Billy Gunn. Katie and no desperately wants Sydney to get him back here for the concert for the the, the election concert yeah, or whatever it is
1: the Merrill concert uh, glory gets the phone back and Sydney asks her where Sandy is Sandy said something about rehearsing with Owen and Nancy went shopping with her butler and Callie had to
0: work today oh I thought Nancy went shopping with her mother <laughs>
1: Oh, I don't know. Is it mother or I butler? I think it's
0: mother. Uh, Although the idea of Nancy shopping with her butler 100% tracks. Totally does. Yeah. Maybe they're getting another horse.
1: Oh, my God. they got to put it in the guest room this time.
0: Right, exactly.
1: Sydney is bummed that everybody ditched her.
0: And, she... and, and no one told her. Yes. That's the other thing. Nobody
1: called her to tell her any of this. So she hangs up on glory.
0: <laughs> she drops the phone. We cut over to Mila, who is enjoying her chocolates. <laughs> Sydney calls, and Mila's bummed because she's sick of her room and can't wait to see her friends.
1: She's been thinking of, quote, the old days. But
0: but she's put on, she's so bummed that she's put on her birthday video, which is playing on all the monitors. The Choo Choo (laughs) Loves Mila video is back, baby.
1: Oh, God, it's so good. She's been thinking of, quote, the old days when she thought Garrett liked her. But it turned out to be an illusion. Oh my
0: gosh, the old days? The old
1: days. Forget it. Two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> Mila yeah. says, I'll just die if Chandler isn't real.
0: And Sydney tells her that Chandler is coming at 10pm <laughs> and to look out at the stars. And then, as usual, without saying goodbye, Sydney just hangs up.
1: Cut to the tool and die. Beric and Jimmy are working on an engine when Callie and Sanja enter. Saja immediately starts talking, immediately, how many syllables can I put into that word?
0: I, I, listen, you're the word person, I will just let you go.
1: Saja immediately starts talking to Beric to distract him, while Callie and Jimmy mutter together in the background.
0: He walks right up to Beric and informs him that he has had a revelation, his next incarnation will be a gearhead. (laughs) And Beric chuckles as Saja waxes poetic about his destiny to fix engines. while moving to the other side of the room where Beric can't see Callie if he's watching (laughs) Saja.
1: Callie creeps around looking for the hot rocks
0: and Jimmy tries
1: to get her to talk about some unfinished business between them. Callie creeps
0: around looking for the hot rocks. It's
1: so good! I mean, that's what happens. (laughs) Jimmy asks Callie to go fishing with him. Callie says she can't because she promised to help Saja with his next incarnation. And now Saja's talking about how a wheel is like a mandala on the axis of the universe. Terrence McKenna lectures confirmed.
0: There we go. Jimmy, uh, Jimmy, his sort of approach to Callie is, is we have some unfinished business. And Callie, Callie goes, we do? <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy gets all flustered, like, yeah, we almost kissed. Right,
1: you're, you I remember. Wanted to,
0: I wanted to finish that business, and you know what I'm saying?
1: Right, you know, the unfinished business where I misread the moment and attempted <laughs> to lay one on you. <laughs> <laughs> Callie suggests that Jimmy should go help Beric deal with Saja so they can get out of there quicker and go feel each other up at the old fishing hole.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy starts explaining the basic functionality of how an engine works. And Saja goes, what does this thing do? And he bumps the <laughs> engine that they were working on. Parts go flying off of it in an explosive sort of like like it was spring-loaded or something. But
1: he barely touches it.
0: And Beric and Jimmy lose it on <laughs> Saja.
1: It's so good. Beric yells, ah, what are you doing, you boner? You just ruined half a day's There was a very brief period of time in like the last couple years of the 80s and the first couple years of the 90s when boner was considered an acceptable term for a bonehead. (laughs) I think we should bring it back. Bring back boner.
0: You know, you you want to hear a really funny story? Without knowing what it meant, uh, my parents adopted uh, an American Eskimo dog when I was a kid who was stark white. And my father named it boner. This girl dog.
1: Folks. <laughs> <laughs> My brain has just vaporized. <laughs> you, as a child, you had a lady dog yep. named Boner. Yep!
0: <laughs> So
1: like, if we she got outside, we had this dog for
0: like thirteen years.
1: So when she got out, did you just go outside? Yep. And you yelled boner into I the I sure did.
0: I sure did. That is what we did. Yep. This makes me happier than when, I ever could have imagined being. When my dad, when my dad found out, he tried to change her name to Bone, which is not much better. <laughs> And and it never like we never as children never really understood what the deal was, so we just kept calling her boner.
1: Wow, mm-hmm. wow. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? I think this episode <laughs> needs to be titled "A Dog Named Boner."
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing, Nathan. Yep, yep. A dog named Boner.
1: <laughs> well, while everyone is distracted by Sasha's boner. <laughs> The hot rocks <laughs> slips a few into her so pocket. Else. I'm crying. <laughs> I'm tears. <laughs> out <of my> head. <laughs> Callie winks For across the children. <laughs> this is so dumb. I'm
0: sorry, listeners. Oh jeez, okay. <laughs>
1: It's funny, though. It's funny that your super-evangelical dad... Uh, yep. <laughs> ...named a lady dog. Nope. <laughs> Listen, I used to work at an emergency vet clinic, and we saw pets with all kinds of interesting names come in for emergency care. The two that stand out the most to me were a female cat named Mr. Poops.
0: <laughs> That's very good.
1: And a lab named Buttcheeks.
0: <laughs> but. But neither of those are (laughs) quite as good.
1: Nothing is
0: as good as Boner. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) So, Hot Rocks procured. Callie winks at Saja from across the shop.
0: And saunters out.
1: We go to a commercial. When we come back, Glory and Katie are having a tea party on the booth porch with all of Glory's stuffed animals and a bunch of dolls, which I assume are Katie's.
0: Uh, Gloria and Katie are enjoying their (laughs) lemonade as Garrett walks out listening to them talk. Uh, Katie invites him to play in this tea party, and when he declines, she asks if he's too old to play, and he goes, no, it's just that when I play, I play for keeps.
1: Did you catch the moment? It's very brief, but it's so good. When Garrett comes out of the house, he pauses and he, like, fixes his hair in his reflection on the little little, uh, porch light. It's so
0: great. Yep, yep. Yep.
1: We cut over to the Rutledge Mansion. Ralph wanders into frame carrying a tray of tea. He glances around, spots a figure in a black hooded robe standing by the window and freaks out, which is understandable.
0: This has to be one of the cloaks from used by the Baldies in the snake pit. Oh, absolutely. It, it is, is 100% one of those cloaks that they just like... Yes. <laughs> and, and I think Sydney... What does Sydney say about how she found it? Oh, she said she was, she was like,
1: oh, sorry, Ralph. I was going through old boxes of costumes and I found this. And she goes, don't you think it's sort of eerie and romantic? No, no. It's, it's not romantic at no. all. <laughs>
0: it's weird. Uh, yeah. Ralph is looking for Muffy's box <laughs> <laughs> that Sydney had
1: him. <laughs> This whole episode is just childish
0: innuendos. Uh, Cindy says it should be nearby, but it's impossible to find anything in this house with all the stuff piled around. She doesn't help at all, as right. you'd expect. just goes to the window and uh, gazes out, and she says, In this house, anything can get lost. It's beginning to look that way outside, too. <laughs> as she gazes across at the booth house.
1: Got to the hospital, JT and Neil are paging through books, trying to figure out science stuff, and their perimeter alarm goes off.
0: Neil pretends to start gaming again. The nurse walks in with Mr. Atwater, thanking him for the cosmetic bags he sent to all of the nurses on the floor. (laughs) Uh, with With a debonair charm, he thanks her for the fine care that they're giving his son, which is, I mean, this dude is charming as hell.
1: Oh, he is super charming, yeah. When the nurse leaves, Mr. Atwater makes a very weirdly articulated, snarky comment at his son. Perhaps you were playing some sort of innocent computer game like you were going to invent a new collagen mask for Atwater Incorporated? Dun-dun-dun! Busted!
0: Uh, He has been funding them at the lab for months, but they've, they've been working on formulas that include ingredients that would incinerate people, so they are cut off. Right. The, the, the funding well has dried up.
1: He's on to them now because collagen does not explode. So he <laughs> <laughs> he's figured it out.
0: How funny would it be, though, if collagen did explode? Can you imagine <laughs> all the cosmetic surgery? Jeez, that would be terrible. Okay. It sorry. would
1: be. We cut to commercial when we're back. Sasha's still at the tool and die, and Barrick and Jimmy are still yelling at him.
0: Barrick is searching around for something, discovers that the hot rocks are gone. And when he mentions missing something, Sasha very quickly, like, looks away guiltily. (laughs) And Barrett goes, there were four people here. I believe the person who just left knows exactly what it is that I'm missing.
1: Cut to Mila's room. The clock in her hands strikes ten.
0: She is holding a bedside clock in both hands while wearing a semi-angelic style, like, white night robe.
1: This is so great. She's been, like, obviously has just been counting down the seconds until it's 10 p.m.
0: Dreamy music plays as she crosses to the head of her bed, and then we cut to a balcony we've never seen before and is obviously completely disconnected from her room set.
1: Right, I think it's supposed to be implied that it's behind the sort of gauzy curtains behind her bed, but, like, none of this makes sense.
0: Who puts the bed in the middle of the room? Yeah, back the bed against a wall, you moron.
1: It's so odd. It's just spatially very disconnected and weird. It's like the house in The Golden Girls. Like, none of it makes sense. Yeah. The camera, she steps out onto her balcony. Night breezes lift her hair in her gauzy nightgown. The camera pans down to the garden below, where Garrett is super nervous, dressed in the snake man robe, and Sydney is coaching him through this tense moment.
0: Mila hears something and calls out for Chandler. Garrett lowers his voice, and Sydney starts reading him the poem to repeat to Mila. We've gone from a reverse Cyrano to an actual Cyrano.
1: <laughs> also, it should be pointed out because I love this line so much that when she says, "Chandler, is that you?" Garrett goes, "Yes, it is I." <laughs> Which is totally something any teenage boy would say, whether he's Garrett or Chandler.
0: Absolutely. Uh, The scene is lit incredibly dimly, and only Sydney and Mila are really visible, and Garrett's hand. And Garrett's hand. (laughs)
1: Like you can't see the rest of him; just his hand as he gesticulates poetically.
0: Uh, There's a lot of argument back and forth as (laughs) between Sydney and Garrett as Garrett starts critiquing the poem (laughs) as it's going, and like. But did you not read this beforehand? Right. Like, what What are you doing? They should have
1: rehearsed this a little bit. Something happens. I think maybe Sydney drops something on his foot. You can't tell because it's so poorly lit. And he wraps it all up with, I will never stop writing poems for you,
0: Mila. My notes just say, please stop. Uh, Mila, through the whole thing, just stands there leaning over the balcony and grinning like a complete idiot.
1: <laughs> and then when the poem is over, she says, who are you, Chandler? Who are you?
0: To so which Garrett responds, The one who would do anything
1: for you? And Sidney tells him to kneel. He doesn't want to, but he finally does. And Mila looks enchanted, and we freeze frame and roll credits.
0: Okay. And there's a terrible synth chime oh, so as good. the as the frame freezes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's wonderful.
1: Um, <sighs> Who was our psychopath of the week?
0: Oh, God. <laughs> Good question.
1: I'm kind of going with Barrack on this one, just because yeah. of how he freaked out and said boner. Yeah. <laughs> it's still funny. <laughs> okay. What was our swan count?
0: Uh, we got two new fake swans. So uh, that's four imaginary swans, 24 actual swans, and 122 other swans. All
1: right. And what are your predictions for next week?
0: Okay. I think... I think we get more at the balcony. I don't know how they, I don't know what's going to happen. I think it's going to go very badly. It's already gone very badly. But I think we get more at the balcony and then we spend some time uh, with Mila just gushing about Chandler's romantic poetry to Sydney over the phone or in person or something like that. Neil and JT spend the next episode plotting how they're going to get funding to get the element that they need to finish UB2B. Glory. I don't think we get a lot of glory next episode. I think she and Katie kind of fade. So we we'll probably get Sandy and Owen in the next episode catch up with them and they're prep for the big concert. Oh, oh, uh, hopefully, probably, I think Captain Walker gets back in the sub and Callie shows in the rocks. But... Saja is unable to escape, and Beric starts grilling him about what's going down.
1: Right. <coughs> Whoa, I don't know what that was, but I'm leaving it in. Okay, great. <laughs> well, uh, surely it will be a thrilling episode if this one was anything to judge
0: by. <laughs> Thank you to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime, from the hit show Swans Crossing.
1: And if you want to find us on social media, we are on Twitter at GottaGrow Up Pod and on Instagram at Swan's Cross Pod. Until next time, friends... May all your rocks be hot and may all may all your boners be uh <laughs> <laughs> May May all your boners be swiftly dealt with. <laughs> <laughs> <It's wrong>.
0: <laughs> Bye. Bye.
1: <laughs>